when it comes to finance, people need hugs. When it comes to finance, you're having people as a financial planner, like tell your heart and soul, like that's your dirty laundry. You're lifting up the cover and you're going, Hey, I see your underwear under there. That's like good or bad. It might be dirty. And, and, and I say that with, you know, all the love in my heart, but I just started to notice that there's all this suffering around money. And I don't care if you have millions and millions of dollars, or if you've, you know, got $20,000 a year in income coming in, it's just more or less zeros, but we're all human and we all have a human heart and it's the same emotional patterns. And there's a handful of them. And I don't care how much you have or how little you have from income or assets, it's all the same patterning. It started at the days of, you know, I used to deliver the newspaper when I was a kid and I have 11 brothers and sisters. And so you worked really early on and I would read everybody's finance section of the Chicago Tribune before I would deliver it to their house because we couldn't afford to get it delivered to our house. And I think, and I have eight brothers. So it was very natural for me to like, I was naturally drawn to finance as well as the finance field is all men, right? There's, mm-hmm. I mean, I would go to a conference when I first started and it was a thousand people and four of them were women and I was one of them. And um, so my turning point was the day I remember I opted to get rid of every blue suit that I had, that every banker <laughs> and every wirehouse person, because I was told by my boss at that time that I had to stop hugging my clients when they walked in the door. And it was, that was my split, right? When I was going, I don't know if I know how to not hug people. Like I had turned myself into my divine masculine power so much. And that was the point where I was either going to negotiate myself away further and then create disease in my body, which I didn't know at the time that that that's what it would be. Or I decided to let my freak flag fly and pull the beautiful essence of the divine feminine and weave that into finance. And that started with me getting a loft exposed brick place in the West Loop of Chicago And I got rid of all my suits and decided I was going to let my freak flag fly and being my unique essence in the world. And um, and it was really about just understanding that when it comes to finance, people need hugs. When it comes to finance, you're having people as a financial planner, like tell your heart and soul, like that's your dirty laundry. You're lifting up the cover and you're going, hey, I see your underwear under there. That's like good or bad. It might be dirty. And, and, and I say that with, you know, all the love in my heart, but I just started to notice that there's all this suffering around money. And I don't care if you have millions and millions of dollars, or if you've, you know, got $20,000 a year in income coming in, it's just more or less zeros, but we're all human and we all have a human heart and it's the same emotional patterns. And there's a handful of them. And I don't care how much you have or how little you have from income or assets it's all the same patterning. And so I started, that's what led me then to write my book a few years of the emotion behind money after I actually um, decided to get that loft space and started to actually understand that the human heart had to come first and foremost in Mm. our financial decisions and that our head and our smarts, like you mentioned earlier, like, well, our money mindset, I actually personally want to take the word mindset when it comes to money and chuck it out the window. And the reason why is that 
the heart has to direct the mind. And if we skip that part, which I'll share with all of you today of that process and how to do that, um, you will continue to be yearning and longing for something that you have no idea what it is. And it's just because you decided to kick your heart to the curb and you didn't bring it along for the ride because you're doing it for all the reasons outside of yourself mm. and not the reasons that are inside. Mm -hmm. Hence, building your wealth from the inside out. Because when you stand in your truth and you stand in your authenticity, and then you make every decision from there, more comes because money is only the result of everything else going on in your life. Because we work things out or we act it out through our money, through our health, or through our relationships. And so I have found that people have done this tennis game, if you will, if they get their money stuff all in order, well, now they just gain 25 pounds. They lose the 25 pounds, then they've got issues going on in their relationship. So it's like, let's get to the core that's actually re really actually creating this behavioral acting out. And, and that's really what then led me to the second book, The Awaken Your Wealth. And it's like, okay, where's this path? How do we like stop this? in all these areas of our life so we can thrive. And so us ladies can stop hitting that glass ceiling they always talk about that we hit. It's like, no, no, no. Like, and it's really about being your essence and not having the fuel of your success be from your survival instincts and emotions that got you to the place that you're at today. It's like, no, no, no. We have to now come from a different energy and a different fuel source. And it's not our, our traumas or our rejection that we're just like, okay, we can do this. We can fight. We can, no, 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 no more fighting. This is just about embodying exactly the beautiful soul that you are and scream it to the world. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> I love that. And I love that you mentioned embodiment because that's also one of our pillars. That's pillar number yeah. three is embodiment and physical vitality and our relationship to the natural world. And so one of the things that I love about what you're saying, and I think people are picking up on this and that we're gonna be seeing today is we're gonna see how actually all the different pillars uh, interweave with each other and that you know I've been always talking about this as a spiraling process right so here we're going out into the outer world with our relationship with money and then we're spiraling back in and going okay but how does what's going on with our emotional life and our inner landscape that's influencing the way that we show up out there and then we do some totally. work here and then what happens out here changes right totally. right yeah yeah yep. Yep. So I love that. And I would imagine, tell me if this is true, that when you decided to get that loft space and keep hugging your clients, did you start getting more women clients? Funny thing is, it was a woman that fired me first. It was really fascinating, but it was a female who was very much in her masculine energy. Sure. She mirrored who I was and she was, you know, she had a few million dollars and I was like, oh my God, maybe I made a mistake moving this office to this office because she's like, because she was expecting the mahogany desk. She was expecting the stiff suit. And I was not, but she just wasn't ready to unpack her masculine. That's I like, I can recognize that today, but it's, it's interesting how the universe gives us tests. And, and yes, um, I've actually attracted more and more females. And I would also say that men who really um, are in their feminine energy too, mm -hmm. um, but definitely more women than men for sure. Yeah, well, I was just thinking because it's just such a service for women, because I think um, now, obviously, there's a lot of variation. We all had different upbringings and parents and attitudes and stuff. But I think it just to kind of make a general statement, I think a lot of times women are not taught about money the way sometimes the, the boys are. 
right? I mean, it's just like, there's just like different messaging. Yeah. Just, just different messaging. And sometimes it's really subconscious. It's not even that the parents are trying to do that, but, um, and so like, I know, I think back about my life and I go, wow, you know, my parents were pretty smart about money in their own way. They had a scarcity consciousness, but they were good at saving, but you know, they never taught me or my brother anything about money. They never taught us anything. It's like the dirty laundry that people don't want to talk about. Well, and actually their laundry was not really, really dirty. They just, for whatever reason. And I remember my dad saying to me at some point, he was like, the day I saw your brother with a checkbook in his hand, I was afraid. And I was like, well, dad, that's because you never taught him how to use his checkbook. Like, why are you afraid? You never taught us how to do that. So anyway, um, I, so I just, you know, think about how that is. And it might, it might be a little bit different now, but I, I just think about a family who, you know, has you as a financial planner and where the <laughs> women are involved, what, whatever position the women are in as mamas sure. or kids and everything, you know, and it's just, cause I know like with my kid, I, for example, the dentist we go to, everybody, it's all female. It's an all female office. The orthodontist that we went to, it's an all female office. And, and my kids even non-binary, right? But still it was like, it, it made a difference to Sam to, to be in a, an environment where it was like all professional women all doing their thing, super confident yeah. and just going, oh, okay. The world can be like this, right? right. Yeah. Well, so I would think, yeah. And as you say that, the thing that comes to my mind is the fact that around money, we've not created a safe container, right? Um, There is so much lack of safety when it comes to money, whether there's too much or too little or fear of the bottom, the bottom's going to fall out. And so that's the energy that we all have participated collectively um, and, and, the, the debt structure, like debt is just a lack of freedom, you know, and I'll have financial professionals really say to me going, well, you know, but it's more effective to borrow money at 3.25% of my mortgage. And this, I go, yeah, but people don't feel like they have a sense of freedom. They feel like they have a ball and chain around their foot. And, you know, and, and even my kids are like, mom, I don't understand why we can't just go there. Like, just let slide that thing that you got in your wallet. And uh, let's just go to target. And I'm like, Oh, I remember when my daughter said that to me. I don't think it's different for parents with money today. I have four children and, um, you know, I made sure that when they got their communion money, when they were in second grade, like we bought stocks with that money. And cause I wanted to show them like, this is how you can do it. build the muscle. And, you know, and, um, uh, it it's for all of us, it's about just building your financial muscle from wherever place that you're at. You cannot change anything that's behind you. You have got to only align with your present moment and in the now, because if you focus at all on your financial past, and I'm not saying ignore your debts, I'm saying put them on autopilot so that you can live in the present moment and create the future that you desire. Because otherwise you'll just keep pulling your past into your present moment and you won't ever stop that cycle. I love that. I love that. I know like one of the, um, the mantra of feminine sovereignty is make peace with your past so you can come fully into the future. So you can, so you can come, no, so make peace with your past. You can come fully into the present so you can command your future. Exactly. Right. Because if you're a creator, 
is unhealed or it's always pulling you back. And, you know, it it does happen, you know, we have to like take care of that part, but, um, but to really be going, Oh, okay. I love that, that piece about going on autopilot. And um, so I want to just remind everybody when you're putting things in the chat to send it to everyone. So everybody can see it. If you send it to hosts and panelists, only Julie and I can see it. And I know you have brilliance to share and we want to hear from all of you. Um, And I just want to have, you know, connect with those of you who are out there and just say, you know, um, it is just put resonate or yes into the chat if what Julie is saying um, is resonating with you. Are you are you getting it? So we're getting a yes. Yes. Um, And uh, yes, absolutely. Okay, yeah. So so keep bringing it in because it's like it's important. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and I, I just want to say, so we have, um, uh, Deb Root has said something like, um, there has been shame attached to, to a relationship with money for as long as I can remember. Yeah. So, so can you speak to that a little bit? Because I think a lot of I people Actually, when I saw shame. that come out, shame, I wrote shame fear. down really big oh. on the paper. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I in. got that one. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so, can you just so in this that? whole process, um, so this is about self-love and self-care, right? So, mm-hmm. um, we all, so I want us to understand, most of us on here understand that we are energy, right? So, you know, Einstein proved E equals MC squared. So if we understand our chakra systems, then when we bring shame, blame, guilt, and judgment around our money, that's you hooking to your past, okay? So, but how do you interrupt that? So how you interrupt that process is, first of all, it's about creating a safe container for you. And how do you create that safe container? Well, depending on what level that you're at in terms of how much debt you have versus how many assets and how much income versus, you know, how more or less income that you have, your your level of shame, blame, guilt, and judgment could be different. So I have people that are multimillionaires that have all this guilt that they have all this money and there's so many people that don't have it. But then I have other people that like give away the ranch and they don't have anything, but they're totally struggling because they give it all away to everybody else. And this is the piece where it comes to self-love and self-care that it, I want you to think about it like, um, on an airplane, when they tell you to, if you have a child with you to put your oxygen mask on first, um, your money is the exact same way. So if this is how we tend to put our hearts on the sideline, because we don't take our own hearts desires in what we want to create in our life, because it doesn't need to be an either, or it's an, and. And so many times when um, those of us are drawn to our spiritual work or doing good and serving others in the world, we feel like that you almost have to be impoverished to do that. And that is the biggest myth. Actually, I just want to say, Lisa put in the chat here, guilt, good people don't have money. Yes. So this is the biggest, you know, I'm in the process. I'm almost finished with my third book. It's called The Four Spiritual Laws of Money. And those were the pieces I was going to give you guys some nuggets today from that. But it's exactly about that. It's busting this myth that you can have money as well as serving humanity. Like it doesn't have to be an either or, and it all boils down to your own personal self-love, self-care. So if you feel like you're not enough or not worthy, or you're giving it away and you've justified all these stories in your head. So we have to recognize the stories that we have hooked to is your hook to your shame and your guilt and your judgment. And the only way to really have both of those is starting to honor yourself. Mm -hmm. Because this is where 
your inside matters. So um, let me give you an example. So for me, I'm serving others. I remember when I first got in the business and it was like, wow, I'm providing all these services that have nothing to do with selling you an insurance product or an investment product, right? And I'm like going, wow, like I, I do all this, but then the people, I helped them a ton, but I didn't actually get the product sale. And then I was like, ah, like, but I couldn't negotiate away the help that I was giving. So I had to figure out a business model because trust me, having 11 brothers and sisters, I was on food stamps. I know scarcity like nobody's business. And I didn't want to keep repeating that pattern. So how did I not leave myself behind along the way? And I remember it was, it was at that same time period where I moved to that loft office space where I was like, okay, I don't want to detract my clients to go away from me, but I also need to make sure I'm not leaving myself behind. And a way that I did that from a financial standpoint is I said, okay, I just want to continue to keep taking care of these people in the way that I've taken care of them. But money is energy. And that's the piece that we have to realize that you don't love and respect yourself if all your money is going out your door to everybody else, because you matter too. And so, and, and it's not that, um, it's not that you're, I think people get this mind frame or story that they're ripping people off. And I don't know where that story started, but that is like, it's really ingrained, particularly in women. Um, it's like, like women don't walk into their employer and say, you know what, I served this company like this and X amount of dollars is the energy equivalent of that. You know, we're just happy to be at the table and do good. And it's like, okay, again, we're leaving ourselves behind. So when I then, going back to my story about helping people, um, but yet getting compensated, that's when I started charging consulting fees. I said, you know what? And it was only all I asked for that year was, to stay on as my client for me to meet regularly with you annually or semi-annually, I wanted $250 to keep fueling the services that I was doing that had nothing to do with selling a financial product. It was shocking to me how many people said, and when it was always the ones that I was helping the most, that said, I'm not willing to write you a check for 250 bucks. And I was like, wow. So this is where I was in my suffering pattern of not enough and not worthy. And these people were reflecting that because I was feeling not enough and not worthy in the inside. Then the outside world has to mirror back to you that example. So when I decided to get paid for the time that I was actually spending with people and these people said no. And I was like, okay, well, they, that's okay that they didn't value that. But then I attracted even more, but that's why I say money's energy. Like Right now, that part of my business is 25% of my revenue stream. It's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars now, but I started it at 250 bucks a client because that's where I was emotionally comfortable finding that balance within myself to self-love and self-care for myself and not constantly giving away the ranch. I love that. I love that. All right, everyone, we're going to have to wrap up for now. We have Don um, Delavecco coming on at the top of the hour. So, Julie, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you. And I'm going to give you the book link to you guys can get my book uh, at no cost, right? I just want you to pay for your own shipping. So, okay. 
We've yeah. got that link for you guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, whatever it is, I mean, it'll be in whatever you gave me, Julie, is in, yep. it's, it's on her module on, on the conference page. Perfect. Okay. So, awesome. all right. Thank you so much, Julie. Did you guys thank love you. this? Yes. Thank you very much. It's been amazing. Okay. So, all right. Thanks so much, Julie. Thanks everybody. And, Find you know. your giggle. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Julie. Bye for now.